Hey guys, welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. My name is Kyle and Sarah, and this is officially episode number two of 2020. Um, I think it's actually episode 11 of this podcast, but since I kind of changed the name and the format a little bit, I'm, I'm losing count. But anyway, I have a great episode here with two guys who are in the trenches every day. Uh, Giovanni Cucolo from Pops Espresso Bar, Maria Restaurant, um, and Gene Christian Baca from Walter's Hot Dogs, who you may have heard on this podcast before, and you just might hear him again. Um, anyway, these guys are part of a family, each individual family, um, legacy restaurants in Westchester County, uh, Walter's Hot Dogs now having been around for over 100 years, and um, Giovanni and his family having been in New Rochelle for 30 plus years. Um, those are two remarkable runs for restaurants in any market, let alone a very competitive market here in Westchester, uh, just north of New York City. So uh, a lot of great takeaways here. We talk about everything from third-party delivery to um, what it's like to be an owner, operator of uh, a legacy restaurant, and the pressures that that could put on you. Um, and also we talk about what do you do? You know, wellness as, as a chef as an operator in the restaurant business is a hot topic. Um, how do you take care of yourself and take care of the business and your employees at the same time? So there's um, some conversations around that. So check it out. Uh, as always, let me know at Kyle and Sarah on Instagram. Um, you can always text me 631-965-1300 uh, with any questions or follow-up. Uh, I'd love to engage with, with fellow restaurant people. And um also wanted to take a second and um, thank my new marketing partners who are sponsoring this podcast, uh, The Marketing Monks. Shout out to uh, Mario and the squad. There's now, I mean, the team is growing every day. So um, I'm not even sure who I can, can thank, but definitely Mario and Johnny for helping me out yesterday. Uh, Mario and Johnny, that just sounds, that sounds so Westchester. It's awesome. But yeah. Um, marketing monks, uh, the marketing monks on Instagram. Um, if you're looking to get your, um, personal brand off the ground, whether you're in restaurants, if you're in real estate or your mortgage loan officer, whatever it is, there is value, um, to building your personal brand, uh, via content uh, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on, um, podcasting. Um, and they're the guys to do it. They're, they're the best out there. They are, absolutely crushing it. And I feel like every day we have uh, new team members and new uh, clients walking in the door who are getting on board with, with what we're trying to, to build here. So if you're at all interested in um, building a brand for yourself or learning a little bit more about social media, um, you can go ahead and check them out um, on Instagram. You can click the link in the Marketing Monks bio and you can just let them know what you're interested in and um, we will get back to you with um, within a day or so, um, and you can sort of schedule a call and, and see what you want to do and, and what steps you want to take. But it's all there. Videography, um, you know, gift creation, um, custom social media stuff, social media content creation, and again, podcasting. So the Marketing Monks on Instagram, um, shout out to them. And also to Four Turns Hospitality Consulting, which is a consulting arm of, uh, of which I also run, which is a group of us who are hospitality professionals who work with uh, restaurant owner operators to 
you know, kind of just be that, 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 you know, conversation that you just don't have. You know, I, I genuinely believe, and I spoke about this before that, uh, restaurant owning is a lonely business. You know, you're not exactly, you know, walking the halls of your office every day and get to talk to your colleagues about your thoughts and concerns. So, um, I have a team of retired restaurant professionals, active restaurant professionals, hospitality uh, focused people who are happy to come together and help you uh, with any questions you may have, whether it's just a, you know, one hour phone call, whether it's a on-site meeting, whether it's overall consulting package, we kind of are here to help. And if it's something that you are interested in, please feel free to DM me on Instagram or again, um, Text me 631-965-1300. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, thank you guys so much for checking out the show. And um, I hope you enjoy. Have a great day, guys. Take care. All right. We're recording. That's it. All right, so why don't you guys go ahead and start by introducing yourselves. Um, give a little rundown of who you are. Sure. Gene Christian Baca from Walter's Hot Dogs. And you're, generation. you're an old hand at this, so. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm Giovanni Cucolo from uh, Pops Espresso Bar and Maria Restaurant. So thanks for coming, guys. Um, you know, I was thinking that this could be really like a update. Now that's 2020, what the restaurant scene looks like in Westchester these days, some of the stuff you're experiencing. Um, we do have somewhat of a national audience, so it'll be interesting to see um, if these are the same issues that they are facing. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, there's so much. I don't even know where to start. But let's start with um, everyone's favorite topic lately, the deliveries, the third-party delivery stuff. Do you guys both do uh, – what do you do there at your restaurants in terms of delivery? So for us, we, we use Uber Eats. Uh, we started with them when they launched for the first time in Westchester County a few years ago. So that's number one. And then we use uh, Grubhub. And in our White Plains location, we use DoorDash as well. So you use all three? We use all three only in our White Plains location. Okay. Yeah. And how is that working out? I, as far as the convenience factor that we're able to reach customers that – may not come in that day yeah for food is awesome but it's it's expensive right there's there's a lot to it and um you know it, there's there's timing issues and reliability of drivers and you know the quality of the food as it travels and how far it's going and to trust the driver that it's going to get them right and they're you know especially drivers who pick up multiple orders uh so you know there's that's a good point it's still in its infancy stage, especially here in Westchester. Yeah. In my opinion. And that's, you think that those concerns are the same across all three platforms? I think the three of them are, are, are different in, in a lot of regards. Um, in my opinion, our most reliable is, is Uber Eats. Hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with the platform that they uh, built and yeah. how they streamline off of what they've done with Uber. Right. To have the amount of drivers that they do, and they are definitely the quickest. You can see for for your restaurant, for us, they're they're the quickest. Um, where we can have a driver at our restaurant within five minutes that the order is placed. That's interesting. So for a fast casual yeah. restaurant, it's you know that helps a lot. Right. 
Yeah, at Maria and Pops, we're just about to transition into using Uber Eats. Um, uh, we're still using old school, you know, driver and delivery system. But personally, using uh, delivery services, I've found that Uber Eats is the most efficient, the fastest, the most streamlined, as you said. Um, they've really got it together for from a consumer's side. So I could imagine that would be the same for for the uh, for the business itself. So you're not using the, the Uber Eats or the... N nothing at all yet. We're um, about to transition. Okay. And the reason that you held off to this point is just... I know because Maria is relatively is new. Best new restaurant. Right. Westchester last yeah. year. But I know you guys have been around for a long time, so you're probably more used to a traditional model, or what's been your hesitation there? Yes, we've, we've been used to a more traditional model at, at Pops. We were also concerned with the high cost, as we've said. Uh, Maria, I didn't want to even deal with um, any kind of delivery because I didn't want it to disrupt um, the quality of food and the amount of food coming out of the kitchen. So sometimes a delivery service, you, you, yeah, you're trying to make more money and uh, maximize you know, your day part, um, but I didn't want too many delivery orders affecting the quality of my food for the dining room itself at Maria, which is a different animal than a cafe or a pizzeria, say. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because you had mentioned the timing. So you guys have, like, ice cream, shakes, hot dogs, things that take different times. So that could affect the hot dogs could be ready, the waiting on the shake, or the guy could be on multiple deliveries. How do you, how do you manage that? I mean, that, that can be pretty hectic if you have multiple, unless you have a full house. No, it's, it's definitely tricky, especially when you're dealing with different menu items. Again, uh, something like milkshake or ice cream where it can melt, fries that can get cold in a short amount of time, right? right? And then to be able to streamline it to all employees working to make sure the order of operations as to what goes with every order, making sure that everything is packed correctly, right? everything is sent out as it should be, it, there's a lot to it. Right. And like Gio said, the, the fees that are involved... Um, Uber Eats is great at the service, but they also charge a ton to have that type of accessibility as well. Yeah. Um, which hurts as well. No one wants to give up 28 to 30% um, right off the top, especially if you're, you know, small, no matter if you're a small ticket. You know, yeah. Money's money. $10 yeah. or, you know, $30 average ticket. The, the, the other thing that really. Is this one easier? This one might be easier. Sure. There's, besides the costing, the other thing that drives me crazy as, as a chef is that I don't want my customers, my guests, who order via Uber Eats um, defining the quality of my food based on a, something that was packaged and sat in a bag or a box and may have been picked up 10 minutes late and delivered or is delivered in cold Time, time of year, and then they're eating the food, and they're like, oh, it's not as great as everybody says. Right, and that's that could be their first, first time to, trying right. the product. That could show, be right? the decision for them to come in and actually yeah. dine. So I get nervous with when my food leaves my kitchen in a different format um, that it, it might not be up to par when it gets to somebody's home. Yeah, rightfully so. Are you telling me that chefs struggle with control issues? <laughs> I mean, I've, I've never heard that before. <laughs> I mean, look, I, th I think that, you know, the question to me is, so what do we do now? Like, where does it go? Because the even if you raise your prices, right, the, the, that doesn't fix the, the quality issue, which I completely, especially as a new restaurant, 
you could, you know, pizza is a big deal. You know, in February, if you're the third stop on a pizza delivery in February, that guy's not coming back. But then I also think there are those guys at home, you know, gamers, stoners, whoever that, they don't even give a shit. They're going to go home. Doesn't matter. Yeah, they're going to eat whatever. They'll, you know, with muscles to deliver. You're like, oh my God, this guy's going to get the muscles delivered or the calamari delivered. That's not going to work out. But do you just say, hey, you know what? That's that market. They want it that way. Or do you say, you know what? No. And I think, it, how do you find that balance? To me, I think it's going to, in a weird way, come back full circle to what you're saying is you have your own drivers. You just need the technology, right? You need the, the Uber platform. But, you know, I, I just don't know where it goes from here because I think that it's inevitable. But how do you continue? It's death by a thousand cuts for restaurants. Almost like an in-house app, you're saying? Yeah, like an in-house app. Like, give us the Uber technology and let us just cook and deliver the food. You know, I think that that's it because 30% is astronomical. Even when they go down 25. If, if you're lucky, if you're lucky and maybe, maybe uh, Gio says, all right, we'll give you Pops and we'll give you Maria. We'll give you both of them. Right. And instead of 30%, would you do 25? It, it takes so much to try to get them to listen. Well, because you know they're screaming that they're not making any money either. Right. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. You know, there's, there's so many things. I mean, the... Apparently, the DoorDashes and the Uber Eats of the world are building ghost kitchens of their own. So what they'll have is essentially DoorDash, in particular, will have a, is what I've heard of anyway first, is basically a warehouse where they'll put Maria, they'll put Walter's Hot Dogs, they'll put whoever else, and the drivers just come up and the fee will be less. And, you know, they don't charge you anything or I don't know how that works, but do you think that's a viable option? I mean, would you consider that for your brand? Would you say, yeah, we, we'll put a like, 300 square foot Walters hot dogs and they were the one expedited controlling the the salad guy, the pasta guy, the pizza guy, the Walters hot dogs guy, or is that... Because in that model, I could order a bowl, a quinoa bowl. You could order... We could all be sitting around watching a movie. You could order a Walters. Somebody else could order a pizza and it all comes from one guy. Right. I mean, is that still a control issue or, or does that make more sense financially? It's or just more confusing. Sort of like... Uh Sounds like drop drop shipment for food, basically. Um, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, I mean, I had a, I had a guy on uh, last month who owned one in Stanford, and his issue was more to your point before, which he was like, "It's a real pain in the ass when somebody wants, you know, a protein shake. It's all they want is a protein shake, mm-hmm. and this person wants a wrap, and this person wants a pizza." So he's like, that's the big, that's another headache. But um, to me, it's like, well, then that's that business, that's your headache. But I don't know. It's a, there's a lot of questions around, and I think that uh, we could do a podcast just on that. So for the time being, you're, you're you see it as a necessary evil. Yes, I, I think again, I I think Uber Eats does a really good job as far as getting you in, in front of a lot of potential customers, giving you a lot of opportunities to promote your business. Like, well, like what do they what do they do specifically? Because I'm not. Super familiar with what, do they do stuff that they don't charge you for? No. Ah, there we go, yeah. One of the biggest things they do, and what we've seen has been really helpful, is they allow you to control promotions, okay. which you have to pay for. But pay for meaning like $5 off, you're paying the 5 bucks. Example, right. example would be $5 off for a first-time customer for spending $20 or more on Uber. Okay. Right? So, again, first-time customer, so you know this is going to be the first impression that they get of your business. Yeah. So they're getting the, you know, they're getting, uh, there's that extra pressure to make sure that everything is tip top 100%. They're going to be satisfied with everything, right? Yeah. 
Um, but at least, you know, that person who's looking through the Uber Eats app that sees this promotion to something they've never tried before, if they have a good experience, right, the retention rate of trying to get them. I mean, there's so many analytics to it to try to figure out. That's what I'd like to see because the, 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 the like my evil mind is working. Like, well, if I, like somebody's like, hey, I could get five bucks off every time I order. I'll just change my email address every time and I'll, you know, I'll get five bucks off I'm every sure time. I'm sure they do. Yeah. So there's no analytics like you have, I order from you. First time order, you see it, the you see because it gets five bucks off, right? If you're paying attention, you'll see that that. Right. The interesting analytic is do they order again, right? Or they're just going around working their way. And there got to be some cheapskates who just order all around Westchester and say, I'm going to get five dollars off all these deliveries. Sure. Yeah. So how long will it take to Uber to almost have those types of account reps that could be a little more personal with your own business? Yeah. Um, to maybe look at those things, yeah. right? On they top of everything it. going on in the restaurants, now you're talking about a whole other, you know, business in delivery that you're looking at all these numbers and analytics with it as well, right? It's right. A lot. I know. It is. And, well, you know, I think it goes on the umbrella that now when you own a restaurant, it's not so cut and dry anymore. You can't just go in there, cook, go home, take the cash home. You know, the old school guy was, hey, I, you know, I take in $2,000 for the day. I pay my guys in cash at the end. You know, this is a long time ago. Pay my guys in cash. I pay the vendor and the rest I put in my pocket and take home. But, like... I don't know. I just don't see that that kind of that kind of operator now has to sit down and look at business analytics on their buying patterns of their customers. It's getting pretty heady, you know. But I mean, you say you still have in-house drivers, so how does do those headaches, which I'm familiar with, compare to? Because I'm also, you know, when Popatina started, we had in-house guys, and that couldn't stand it because when it was slow, these guys are just standing around picking their nails or going outside smoking a cigarette, and you got to pay them, right? You got to pay them minimum, and then. Uh, not just that, it's also a liability issue and the insurance costs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my, my other concern, you, we were just talking about, um, what was the last topic before we jumped into that? Oh, uh, Uber Eats. Uber and the... And the yeah, Uber yeah. Eats in general. So with Uber Eats, as I said, I'm transitioning into it, but as a consumer, when I look at Uber Eats and I'm about to order... I take both my consumer mentality but my restaurateur mentality. I like to see what other restaurants are using Uber Eats. Uh, and I say to myself, okay, or who, do I, who am I on the same level with or who do I respect who's using Uber Eats? So if they're using it, maybe I, sh I need to think about it a little more. So I, I use other restaurants as a baseline for whether or not I'm going to make a transition or a decision to do it. I mean, that's a good point, but do you use it? What about for Pops? Same, same, same thought process? Same thought process. Pop, Pops is a tiny place, and we're so busy already that adding. I'm I'm afraid to add Uber Eats because I don't want to be overwhelmed. I don't want my kitchen to be overwhelmed. Yeah. So I'm always trying to be grasp the big picture. I don't want to just do it for the money or to get more people in. If I was to do it, like for at Maria, for instance, that's predominantly a um, an evening dining scene. So lunch is a little quieter. If I want to test the water, I would probably test it at Maria for lunch. Because I know Uber, you can, you can switch control, it on and off, right? You can, you can control, control the hours. The hours, exactly. So that's the greatest thing that I like about Uber Eats is being able to flip that switch on and off. Yeah. If you know that you're getting too busy, okay, I have a party. Turn Uber Eats off. Focus on the party. This way the service is consistent. The quality is there. Um, that's my concern as, a, as an operator is uh, ma just maintaining the quality and the service. So transition to another topic i mean that's actually a good point because now so in my business 
the concern is, well, all, you know, all these restaurants, people, there's so much competition. They don't want to pay these large rents and the sit down and yada, yada, yada. But now what's interesting is the build out expense and the square footage is coming from the kitchen because places like Sweet Green, Chops, and Chipotle are putting extra lines in. So they're adding another 1,500 square feet, or maybe not so, you know, 700 square feet. That line is same setup, mm-hmm. but they're only doing deliveries. How big of an impact does that have on your, I mean, you don't have, you and White Plains, you have sit-down, but traditional, they're pretty much just grabbing, once they take from you, whether it's delivery or sit-down, you're not servicing the tables, but like, I'm sure it impacts the, like, how do you balance that? How do you balance, I mean, that's a bigger concern for you, we have waiters and guests right in front of your face, but how do you balance that? Well, look at, in Mamaronic, it's, it's, there's no dining area except for, indoor dining area, except Mm. for, you know, our picnic area that we have. In White Plains, we have a, a you know, um, uh, a dine-in restaurant or so. But like you said, we don't have to worry about necessarily servicing each tables and, and things like that, right? It's quick grab-and-go. So uh, in White Plains, the majority is takeout. Um, so th- how much more space do we yeah. do, do we need for can it? Really, right? And can you really dedicate? I mean, you can't retrofit that space, so it's like... You're yeah. not going to... If you start getting slammed with orders, you, I mean, you, gotta, you can't route them in... You know, you can't route them and say, hey, send that guy to White Plains, right? If it comes into Mamaroneck, or how does that work? Like, is each one their own Uber account? Correct. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. And again, U- Uber, for example, works within a six-mile radius. Okay. So you have a little overlap there. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. So one of the things I have considered for Pops is to take an additional storefront, a brick-and-mortar adjacent to Pops, and sort of like a satellite and build a kitchen that only does Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. It's not open to the public. And we could also um, do catering out of there, things that Pops can't handle because it's so tiny and doesn't have a full kitchen. So we're taking this, build out a kitchen next door, mm-hmm. like a catering shop, and just do parties, catering, and all the Uber food from the menu. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's happening a lot. There's a guy, that, a client that I have in Connecticut that he's very busy. Similar to you, he does not do, his restaurants are very high-end, and he has one concept that's a little bit more casual, and the food can travel, and he turned on Uber Eats and was blown away. Did, like, this tremendous number, but he's concerned with his in-house, you know, he doesn't want to piss off his regulars, who are used to waiting a certain amount of time for things, and things get jammed up, and they're seeing drivers come in and out, so he is looking at that, and he's looking at other, like, the, the catering aspect of it. I could use it. I could also do, I mean, if you decide to do burritos, no one would ever know. You could do something else. So that's happening quite a bit. You know, these straight-up ghost kids, like we mentioned before, where they're changing concepts. But, um, you know, lower upfront costs, you know, to build out a kitchen, you know, from scratch is fifty to a couple hundred thousand dollars, depending on what you want to do. And to get into a space that maybe you can just, you know, punch a hole through the wall, put a hood in, and start cooking – you're talking probably about a third of that expense. So that's another interesting thought. So I guess we can go on on that forever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, aside from that, what else are you guys seeing out there? How is business to start 2020? I mean, I know January is typically a slow time. How are you ramping up for 2020 in terms of all the essential stuff? I mean, staffing, um, you know, special events, marketing, anything that you can kind of – Anything that's working for you guys that you want to share with people or some concerns you have, let's just let's just get it on the table. Well, <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm doing this a while and at, at different levels. Everything from you know 
little pizzerias to restaurants to Pops Espresso, you know, little cafe. And me personally, I see the, the dining public is much smarter and more discerning when it comes to food than they were 20 years ago. You know, with the, um, you know, with Food Network and Cooking Channel and, you know, every periodical, people are, they're, the internet, people are just figuring stuff out. They're learning to cook without ever taking a cooking class. They're smarter. They know what they want. So for me, it's always okay. How do I keep them interested? How do I stay fresh? How do I stay motivated for myself and yet keep them interested and motivated to come to my dining venues? Um, my favorite quote for the past year has been evolve or evaporate. And you have to constantly grow and watch and see the changes and the markets and customer demand and what they're looking to eat. Their, you know, their dining habits, all that stuff. And just pay attention, see what other people are doing, other restaurants. Um, because if you're not going to do it, there's somebody right behind you is going to do it, and that somebody might put you out of business, believe it or not, because they're they're ahead of the game. So specifically, I mean, I, I agree with that. You know, people are, and there's more competition. You know, yeah. everybody now because of that influence thinks they're graduating culinary school and open up a restaurant. So whether it's going to succeed or not is not really an issue. It's still going to take people out of your from your doors into somebody else's doors. I mean, is there really anything you could do to mitigate that, or is it just kind of putting faith in what you're doing, staying alert, staying aware, and just kind of like, I mean, it's, you really got to be vigilant to what's going on now, with uh, what's coming in your doors or, or, or coming by your shop because, you know, in that same token, hospitality is lost, the one-on-one -on -one stuff, which I know you guys, Walters, is, is infamous for, and having that history that you guys have, have built there wasn't just built on, on making hot dogs for people. So, I mean, tapping into that's a real... A real thing, and, and I know you know that warm Italian ambiance. I, I think is always going to be you know people are always going to need a place to go out to feel that. But you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's, it's it is staying vigilant. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Gio in saying that. It, it, to me, it's almost as if you have to give people a reason to come to you now, um, because there are so many choices and. Uh, Consumers are extremely smart at what they want and what they don't want. Um, and you have to be able to tap in and be sensitive to those things. But you have to be creative enough to to take some risks, try some new things. But you have to be able to do something that is going to engage people and want them to come. So whether it's because of the dining experience and how you make people feel, to the actual menu, to what's served, to specials. Um, but to us, 101 years is amazing. But we know that there's a reputation that goes along with it. There's a level of consistency that has to go along with it. But there's also more competition. So you have to give people a reason to come on out. You also have more weight on your shoulders because of the legacy, I think. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's at times you definitely feel the weight coming down mm -hmm. for sure. Um, and that's where it comes down to that good old fashion hard work that that we knew you know it's that kind of outwork um the work ethic kind of the hustle um doing the right things not cutting corners and kind of taking the time especially when it's so busy uh and weeks fly by is to kind of just take a step back and say you know what would what would the predecessors do you know what would my yeah, grandfather right. do what would my great-grandfather do in this situation how would he do it in 2020 with all of this here what would he say what would he think yeah but um, 
to try to take a step back, you know, to get that type of wisdom. Yeah. But your situation is not that, all that different. How long has your family been in Westchester? No, I mean, we're in Nourishelle almost 30 years already um, with Fratelli as well. But it's interesting you say that because regardless of the Uber Eats and the technology and the trends and all that, ultimately, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the year, it comes down to those simple things that our parents did, our grandparents did. Um, connectivity, communication, getting relationships, as I said when we first walked in the door, getting to know your customers, you know. Um, Which I think is something that is so lost now. It is so there, lost because everybody's detached. Yeah. Now you can go into a, a fast food operation and punch in your order on a tablet and you're not even talking to anybody. Right. Swipe your card and you just, it's like you're at an ATM, you're not at the food venue. Um, but I think that's what separates um, those the new kids on the block. If, if, if It's okay to have something new and fresh, but if you're following through with some of that old school stuff, where you're actually getting to know your customers, you're connecting with them, you're developing relationships with them, and then ultimately you're following through with both service and food or whatever it is you're doing. You've you got to follow through. A lot of people come out and they have flashy ideas, like the cooking channel. He's saying, you got, you know, I've, I can't tell you how many people I've met who, like, they've got that one recipe that their aunt taught them, and they think they're going to open a mortar and you know, yeah, yeah, a brick and mortar place because yeah. they have one recipe that's amazing, but they know nothing about operating a business. They don't have anything else except that one recipe. Um, they have no right to open a, a food venue, but no. they but they think they do. And I'll tell you what, I say that all the time. I was like on social, I'll say, if you're thinking that like all oh, your friends like you're cooking and you should open a restaurant, yeah. don't, yeah. because it's like one one thousandth of what you need to open up a restaurant. And those friends are just going to come by and be like. I remember when this was your idea. Hook me up yeah, or like give exactly. me yeah, no, it's I mean look, it's it's there's a reason why the restaurant business has that stigma because I think there's a low barrier to entry. So people can like, hey, I can open up a restaurant and I can do whatever. I mean back a hundred years ago it didn't take much to open up a hot dog stand, right? Sure. So now I think opening Walt that's an interesting story. Opening Walters today, like opening it today, yeah. what would the considerations be? I mean you're you're kind of living it, but I mean there's so many different things kind of going back to what we said before about wearing different hats now and looking at your statistics and, 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 but like connecting with an owner, like I think the, the white tablecloth restaurant for lack of a better word, you know, the traditional sit down appetizer entree dessert space is going to be more in vogue than ever. I really think if I had the money to like really throw down on that, because I think it's going to be so much of the sweet greens and the chopped and the dig ins of like in the city, you order your food online and you pick it up from a rack. Like it's just alphabetized racks. You're not even you're not even talking to a cashier. People don't even talk to your cashier. Starbucks, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that it's it's um, some people are gonna long for that. Like I think our generation is gonna be like, what happened to you know? That I want to come here. People are still gonna want to go to sports bars and sit down and talk to the bartenders and talk to the servers and meet the chef. But um, it's just a lot of noise right now. I mean, especially you know. in New York. I mean, you're talking about you know people who are listening on a national level. I mean, New York, Westchester County. Uh, rents, wages, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything that, you know, opening up, I'm thinking about it now. If I were to open up a Walters in 2020, it'd look a lot different opening in Florida, in places in Florida, right. or New Orleans, or somewhere in Texas yeah. versus New York. New York City. Oh, and yeah. what would the rents be like? Yeah. And what are the wages like there versus here, right? Yeah. And what's the population? Uh, yeah. Is it viable? 
Is mm. is it viable for to sell a two dollar seventy five hot dog? Is that what you're at two seventy five for a hot dog? Two seventy five, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you guys have a lot of. I mean, I mean that's where the rent number starts to become ridiculous. It's a hundred dollars a square foot in you know in Manhattan, and how many hot? I mean, you, you can play sell the number. A lot of hot dogs. Yeah, and, and if there could be a million people walking by your door, how do you get them in? There's a lot. So, well, that's uh, so. What keeps you going? I mean, like, how do you keep both of you guys? I mean, like. I'm. I got one toe in the water, but I mean, I know there's a huge part of its passion, and it's almost like in your blood. You can't take it out. This is what I do, and that kind of thing. But it. How do you? You know, it. it to me, it's it's you're playing defense more so than ever, and you kind of have to be off offensive. It's like a chess match every day. What are like? What are some things you're doing to kind of navigate that on a personal level? Because that's another thing I like to talk about is, what do you do outside of the restaurant that helps you manage yourself better inside the restaurant? How you take care of yourself? Well, for me lately, um, is just being selfish. Um, saying, okay, because I, I spend countless hours every day, every week, making everybody else happy, including both my, my guests and my staff, and I make sure that, that as happy as they can be, which is one reason they come back, because I get to know them, and I feed them, and I make them happy. I make, try and make everybody feel like a rock star, I try and be a good leader, educator for my staff, make them want to come to work. I pay them well. But then at the end of the week, end of the month, I'm like, why am I burnt out? Um, why am I unhappy? What, what's missing in my life? Do I need to go to the gym more? Am I eating right? So I find that I'm a better operator if I take care of myself. And if I eat well and if I work out and I spend time with my girl and I'm happy, I'm going to be happier at work. I'm going to operate more efficiently. My staff is going to feel that energy. That's going to trickle down to the guests. It works out for everybody. Yeah, which, which by the way, when Gio talking about you know making his guests happy, my grandmother, my grandmother Gloria, you know, going on ninety two. She when she leaves Maria's, she feels like she's Queen Elizabeth. Wow, I that's mean, that every, is. I mean, every time. I mean, she. Every phone conversation I have with her every week involves his restaurant in some way, shape, or form. Wow. Either how she had to tell one of her friends or neighbors about it or how she went and who she just went with and what she had and how she never had the baked clams like that before and how the pasta was just this and that. I mean, so... Is it a sense of nostalgia or are you just like hitting her over the head with hospitality and warmth or what? what's the... Well... Honestly, I just love that woman. She's, a, she's, an, she's an angel. Um, and we just hit it off. I just love chatting with her. But also, there is nostalgia there. Um, there's, I mean, she's a matriarch. Yeah. She's a legend. And, yeah. there is, and she has that, what we were talking about earlier, that old school knowledge and warmth that resonates with me because that's where I come from. So she reminds me of my mom, reminds me of my dad, my grandparents. But the funny part is that I've had customers come in and say, you know, Gloria, the mom from, the grandma from Walters, she's been handing out your business cards. <laughs> so she, she'll be at the Chico shopping and, and recommending Maria Restaurant to cu customers at the Chico's. She's an angel. How do you do that like a hundred times over, right? You're like, right. God, get these people out there to do it. How about you, Gene? What do you, I know, I mean, I know you travel quite a bit, but how do you do the day-to-day? -day? I mean, you got two trucks, two locations. Stanford's on a hiatus now because of the weather. Like, 
what's what's your what's your week look like for you? Forget about Walters for a, for a second. It, you know what? What helps a lot is that I'm not I'm not in it on my own. You know, I have a great team. As far as other family members, you know, I'm lucky that you know. Catherine's amazing. Yeah. My sister Catherine is involved heavily. My sister Christine, my mother. You know, we all kind of came in the business around the same time or so. And we all have different strengths and weaknesses, and we all bring different things to the table. So being able to understand everyone's strengths and weaknesses as well and kind of, you know, where to go, every week is kind of set up for us for success in a way. You know, we, we, we know where people are going to be. We kind of have our aces and places and kind of our game plans and strategies for every single week. So that type of thing going into it is that it gives me a good game plan on how to set up my weeks, my months. But then it's also, you know... Uh, when you're going on, especially in the summertime, 50, 60, 65, pushing almost that 70-hour mark, you know kind of your breaking point. You know when you're run down. I know. I've gotten to that point now, especially end of July in the middle of our truck season, um, 120 degrees on our food truck. I know like that time and that cutoff point. So what Gio said is being selfish, that 100%. But it's a good thing. You... You work so hard and you work all these hours, you manage a team, you serve hundreds of people every day. Um, So to take care of yourself and do the things that are going to make you happy, being able to identify those things, I think is one of the hardest things. And the last couple of years kind of taking a step back to try to figure out what my real interests are, my hobbies, what I really like, what I really want out of life, um, and to really kind of take ownership to it. Um, that's really how I discovered, especially traveling, is being able to take the time to just get away, recharge the batteries, and just kind of discover something new about myself. Um, that's how I've been able to do it. If if I didn't, if I didn't have those times to myself, uh, or being able to take a night off here and there, um, you just you just get that burnt out where it's like you've passed the point of no return. You know, sorry, just one thing. It's interesting you say that because. You know, Friday and Saturday, the two biggest nights of the week. You got to be there. You got to be there. This past Saturday, I said, no, I'm, I'm taking the night off. So I, I literally just walked out of Maria at 5 p.m., told my staff, you've got it. It's all good. And it was one of the best nights we've ever had. And I, and I wasn't there. So, you know, you got you to let your kids loose. And just you got to let go of your baby and, and trust your team to do the right thing. Yeah, I think you don't ever find that out, right? You don't ever really find that out because you're there and they're like, okay, he's here, i got to do everything. But if you let them breathe a little bit, you know, that's the only way you're ever going to get to more than one location. And I'm sure you guys have experienced that. I mean, these guys want to be let loose, but you know what happens when they don't. But um, I guess it's mitigating that. Like, how do you, you know, okay, I trust, you know, Stevie to, to do this right. And then if he doesn't, how bad is it really, right? Like, can can somebody else catch him if he falls? You know that kind of thing. But I mean, there's a lot in that conversation, training and hiring and all that stuff. But um, you had posted something on Instagram or somewhere. This is over a year ago, um, and I think about it constantly when it comes to expanding or opening up another location. You said if if you can take yourself and your number one person out of the place and the place can still go and function the same then you're ready to open another location and I think about that constantly constantly I'll tell you what like 
I know, like, just because, you know, we get a lot of leads and what I do, people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I own this place and I want to open up another one. Great. What are you looking at? This is what I'm looking at. 2,000 square feet, Fairfield or Westchester. Perfect. I can absolutely help you out. When do you want to go? Ah, you know, I got to figure it out because I got, okay, you're not ready. You're not ready. If you were really ready, you would say, I can go Wednesdays between 3 and 5. I can go Fridays or whatever that is. If you are worrying about covering shifts in your place and you're already calling me, you're just kicking the tires. You know, and that's that's the thing. And you know, there's, again, another podcast in there, but, like, finding another location, doing all that, that's like having another child but only 10 times harder. And it's, you know, people just think that, I have another one, it's going to be more money. I need more money. No, not the case. And that lead, that could lead right into you're talking about finding your, your, you know, your team players, you know, the people that you could really offer an opportunity in your in your business and, and to try to find those employees and talent scouting and, how to be able to invest in those people and to know uh, who to invest in, the right person to invest in to be able to do those things, right? Would we love to have w- more Walters? Sure. Would we love to be in New York City? Absolutely. You know, we get pitched all the time for something and they could say, I, we tell you about it. It sounds like the coolest thing. And then we just look ourselves in the eye and we say, well, who's running it? Yeah. <laughs> because we're here. So who's, who's going to do it? Which is one of the reasons that Pops, Maria, and Fratelli are on the same block. You know, I don't have to drive. I don't have to drive to another town. If somebody doesn't show up at one location, I send somebody from the other one right next door. You only need one parking spot. That's a whole different thing. Um, Yeah, I mean, expansion, staffing, training. There's a lot. I mean, just to wrap up, guys. Yeah, I mean, I have to come back on and talk about this. What I'd like to do is actually get. Maybe at Maria, or we can get, you know, even we can do it at Walters for a lunch thing, is get a real roundtable of a bunch of guys and kind of talk about it. And because my my thing is, and the real reason, like, for this podcast, and when these shows air, I get crushed with, like, DMs and texts. Like, I heard you talking to these guys. I want to I know more. I feel like this business is so insular and in that even you guys are, you know, 10 minutes away from each other, probably never really talk shop. Like, if you're in each other's place, that's, like, your time to get away, so you don't want to do it. And a lot of owners feel, I mean, my concern and, and the reason for doing this kind of stuff is I feel it's so insular. There's so many issues that affect you that you're not aware of, uh, you know, just kind of like just what we touched on today with analytics and deliveries and staffing and, and monitoring your sales and customer retention. Um, but who do you talk to? Right, like in my business, if I have a question about it, and I and the real estate stuff, I can go down the hall and say, "Hey, can you do me? What, what do we do here?" But in that business, you can talk to your family. That's probably not always the way you want to go. But even just in terms of taking care of yourself, and who do you trust to have those conversations with? Right, right? to let into that personal. Yeah, so it's like a support group. That's what I really think. And like these issues are not, you know, specific to you. There's specific to the industry and how do we get them on the table and collectively solve them or at least help each other work through them um so like i appreciate you guys coming on here and sharing some of the stuff i know you could probably like me talk about this for another two hours um but just kind of like in closing is there anything you want to to the one-off guy who's kind of killing it right now and is being approached by people to open up a restaurant another restaurant what's your number one tip for this guy from a professional in the four walls of the restaurant and a personal how do you handle your life with two restaurants different just quick and dirty on somebody who may be considering a number two um i would imagine all the worst case scenarios so if you're have one place already and you're about to open a second one imagine that everything goes wrong at the first place while you're trying 
to open your second place or you're, you just opened your second place and maybe your chef and manager both leave on your first place or uh, you have no shows at your second place. Every worst case scenario. Or you're far busier than you ever thought you'd be um, and you just can't handle it. it. It can be catastrophic. So just, just think about the worst case scenarios. You know, the funny thing, the very first thing that popped my mind was plan for the best, expect the worst. Number one, just plan for the best, expect the worst. And a lot of times people think, well, if I open up that second or third location, I don't have to be there. I'll just have so-and-so do it, and it's fine. Uh, expect to be there. Yeah, and you can't never neglect where you came from or the original places. Yeah, you're all hyped up about the new place, but you, you wouldn't be there without that first one. Right. You know, it's interesting, too, because I think that that's a good point because – it's almost like you're better off staying at that one because yet when people get wind that you're opening up another one, they're like, "Oh, what if you're going to leave us? We're not going to. You're not going to see you. You're not going to be here on Thursday nights anymore." My sister loves. It's not the same. You know, Jean's grandmother loves when you're here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, you're better off really training. I think training that staff to be the face. You go there and kind of like they're just happy to see you there. You know, um, but. There is no secret sauce. It's all work, and it's all individual. So all um, thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank and you. why don't you guys give uh, just a little shout-out where everyone can find your brick-and-mortar or your social, whatever else you want to plug. This is the chance. All right. Yeah, uh, three locations in New Rochelle. We've got Pops Espresso Bar, popsespresso.com. We've got Fratelli Pizza, and we've got Maria Restaurant, which is uh, – Best new restaurant of 2019 and just got a Michelin Bib Gourmand Award for 2020. That's cool. oh God, that's right. Pretty incredible. And they're all on the same block in Rochelle, Huguenot Street. Come on by. Ask for Gio. For uh, Walter's Hot Dogs, we're at 937 Palmer Avenue in Mamaronek. And we have another brick and mortar at 186 Mamaronek Avenue in White Plains. Go ahead and follow uh, at Walter's Hot Dogs on social media. And also for our food trucks, at Walter's Truck Life. That's awesome. All right, guys. Thanks so much. We're done. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, you can keep going, right? Really, God, you know, in this business. I know. I mean, I think that... The roundtable idea is great. Yeah. Anytime. I got to get... So I'm working with a videographer. I want to get it very sleek and produced, and it's probably going to be like a series. You know, like a once a month series. I mean, it's hard to get everybody, and you know, people you know, Mondays and their things. So I got to kind of coordinate it. But I like it. I think it'd be a great Netflix thing. Oh yeah. To, uh... All right, that's it, guys. Hopefully, you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, I appreciate you um, as an audience. We're really starting to build a community around this stuff, and it's been great. And I've recorded a couple other podcasts in the last couple of days that I think you guys will be excited about. So uh, I hope to add value. And the only thing I ask is that you like and share uh, and subscribe here, whatever, all that stuff. Like, share, subscribe, um, screenshot, put it on your Instagram. Um, if you think it has provided any value to you at all. So um, that's the only ask here. And if you have any questions related to the hospitality industry, commercial real estate, site selection, um, operations, uh, please do not hesitate to reach out. Uh, Again, this podcast and um, I am here to help you guys. I know how difficult it can be. Uh, I don't like to see restaurants um, suffering Uh, for lack of a better word, unnecessarily. So if I help, if I can help, um, I would love to do that. So uh, please hit me up on Instagram at Kyle and Sarah again. 
And as always, you can text me 631-965-1300. And uh, I appreciate you once again. And have a great day. Take care, guys.